Well, I'll tell you, my first day on a job, actually, in 1997, we had seven P&Bs, which are pulseless non-breathers. And as a rookie back then, your job was to run the defibrillator, the AED. Mm-hmm. And uh, we revived like, six out of seven. Bridge the city, whoa, whoa. Bridge the city, yeah. Bridge the city, yeah. Gotta bridge the city, the city. Bridge the city, whoa. Welcome to Bridge the City a podcast recorded in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Our mission is to bridge together people, resources, and ideas that inspire Milwaukee to action. And my name is Benjamin Rangel, and today we have a special co-host. Hello. This is Liz. Liz, would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners? Sure. My name's Liz. Um, I have a little bit of experience in Milwaukee politics, and currently I work for an organization called College Possible. And we asked Liz to join us for this interview with Mela Mitchell, because it's always more fun to do an interview with a co-host. So that's exactly what this episode is. It's our fourth and final gubernatorial interview with Malin Mitchell. It was a great conversation. We sat down with him at Marquette University. Uh, Is there anything that stuck out to you from our interview, Liz, without spoiling too much? Yeah, no spoilers. But uh, one thing I really enjoyed about Malin's position is... He just really seemed committed to bringing people together, and in his role with the firefighters, it's clear that regardless of your political party, he just values um, building relationships and really being a strong leader, whether you agree about everything or not. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. He might come off sometimes as a little bit more moderate in terms of some of his positions, but in reality, he is an outsider because he isn't a politician, right? Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm, his experience definitely. is as a firefighter. And as you heard from that introduction in the beginning, Malin, like, literally has saved people's lives. Right. He's been into burning buildings, uh, and his interest in politics really stemmed from what some of the current administration did to threaten unions. But you'll hear that more in in this upcoming episode. Just a reminder, too, that Malin, he's one of four Wisconsin Choice People's Champion finalists. The Wisconsin Choice is running this campaign to let you all, the listeners and the voters and the people of Wisconsin, choose which candidate they prefer in the gubernatorial Democratic primary. Mm -hmm. And Malin is one of four who made it past the second round exciting stuff so that is exciting so we were happy to talk with him and i guess without further ado we'll leave it to the candidate malin mitchell uh name is malin mitchell i'm a candidate for governor 20-year firefighter in the city of madison i'm a lieutenant actually i work downtown at station one and i'm running i'm running because for governor because we need to uh have a change and change uh change our trajectory for the state and, and change what's happening in our state so that's why i'm running originally uh, i was born in milwaukee here I uh, lived here for a very short time, though, but I actually went to the same, grew up in Delavan, Wisconsin, which is actually the same high school that Governor Walker went to. We graduated from the same high school. How about, we obviously took some different classes, though. <laughs> <laughs> we learned some different lessons, but yeah, so that's uh, a little bit about me. I'm also the president of the Professional Firefighters of Wisconsin, so when I take off my turnout coat and my gear, I actually put on a suit. Uh, like I have on now, and go and lobby on behalf of firefighters for hours, wages, working conditions, health, and safety, uh, and basically protect firefighters' pensions and things like that at the uh, state state house, the Capitol. So as we were just talking about, when you first arrive, it's a crowded field Yes, for the race. It's like 20,000 uh, people running. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what really makes you stand out as a candidate? Well, you know, we've tried in the last eight years, Governor Walker has done nothing but divide and conquer us. I mean, that's what he said he was going to do. 
uh, when he was talking with Diane Hendricks, who's a big donor out of the Beloit area. Um, but I stand out because while there are a lot of good candidates in the race, um, we tried the elder statesman. We tried uh, Tom Barrett, who was mayor of Milwaukee. Uh, I thought would have made a great mayor, but uh, our great governor. Um, we've tried that. We've tried. Um, four years later, we tried Mary Burke, who my union also supported, because she has a business acumen from Trek Bicycles. She's a woman, so we thought that would get people inspired, and invigorated, and, and uh, fired up the vote. So we need to do something different this time. And, and what's going to stand out is that I, I'm going to get around and talk with people, hopefully motivate and, and be aspirational, and actually get people fired up. And that's how we win our state. We're not going to win our state by doing the same old thing and having the same old liners. I mean, we have to not always just talk about what's wrong with Walker, but we have to talk about what's right with us. And uh, so that's why I'm running. And I, and I stand out. I am the only African-American candidate, so on stage I stand out right away. With <laughs> no, it's an important electorate that we need to get out to vote to African-Americans in, in, in this, this city and across the state, Kenosha, Racine, Madison. It's going to require us having a message that hits home with everyone. As a firefighter associational president, I represent uh, 100 communities around the state, professional firefighters of Wisconsin. If you came to my convention, you will see 250 delegates, and 249 of those will be white male. And I'm the only person of color a lot of times in the room. And I'm their president and chairman of the uh, convention. And uh, they voted me in by acclamation three times now. So we need a crossover candidate. We need a candidate that feels comfortable talking on the north side of Milwaukee and also talking the farms of Richland Center or Superior, Wisconsin. And I represent members across this entire state. Uh, I understand that's a small microcosm of what the state looks like, but you know, a lot of time elected officials just tell people what they're going to do for them as opposed to just listening and sympathizing with what's going on. And I'll tell you, man, I, I've been around the state for a while. I've traveled the state a long time. And uh, if you're struggling in Rhineland, Wisconsin, or Rice Lake, or Merrill, or you're struggling in Milwaukee or Kenosha or Scene or uh, Delavan or Janesville, a uh, struggle's a struggle. Um, doesn't matter where you are. And, and we're all in this together. So that's why I'm running. And I, I think that's what separates me from the, the rest of the candidates. That was a long answer to your short question. One thing I've seen Governor Walker in his campaigning right now, he's talking a lot about how much uh, improvement the state has made economically. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about, like, what is your perspective on, on some of the, the numbers he throws around as as far as Wisconsin having a lot of progress over the last eight years as a state economically, yeah. how accurate is that in your eyes? Walker went here, didn't he, to Marquette? He he went here, didn't graduate. Yeah. Right. I actually have a college degree. I went to uh, Mount Scenario College, Lady Smith, Wisconsin, way up north. Anyway, wasn't your question. The governor talks a lot about an unemployment rate of 3.13%. Um, hovers around there, which is a good thing, but if you look in history, over time, Wisconsin has always had a lower unemployment rate than the rest of the nation. Um, but an unemployment rate is one barometer, one metric for what a good quality of life is or a good healthy economy is. In our state, what you're seeing is low-wage jobs. Uh, people are, have stagnant wages. So the governor can go around and tout 3.1% unemployment, but what kind of jobs are we talking about? When people are working two or three jobs just to make ends meet, that's a problem. You should never have to go to a fish fry on Friday as a family and worry about how you're going to pay for it on Monday. So we need to make sure we do everything in our power, everything we can as, as a state as a state and as a state government to make sure people have decent wages. I've, I've been vocal and I've come out even before I ran for office for a minimum wage hike up to $15 an hour. Uh, but that's just a start. And that's just a floor. That's just a base. We need to look at 
um, what $15 an hour does for you in Milwaukee as opposed to what it does for you in Platteville are two different things. So we need to set up wage commissions regionally. Uh, we have a plan to do that on our website, mailandmitchell.com. A healthy economy is about a good quality of life. And people should, if you work 40, 40 hours a week, you should be able to live and have a good, decent life. Um, and right now we're not seeing that in our state. Uh, another uh, big topic that comes up is Foxconn. One perspective is like Foxconn, the deal is sort of, it's happened, it's going to be here. What we have to do is like look forward in terms of um, how to maximize um, its existence in the state. What is your perspective? Foxconn's a bad deal. You you would never get a bank to make a deal like the state government we did for Foxconn or he did for Foxconn. You'll never get a bank to give you $4.5 billion and then you get a return on your investment 25 years later. Mm-hmm. Um, but going backwards, if we were to make sure we have decent, good standard of living in our state wages, uh, have a thriving economy. If we were to make sure we fully invest in education, which I hope we talk about in a little bit, we were to make sure we have our great roads, our transportation, our infrastructure sound, um, and make sure that everyone in the state of Wisconsin has good health care, not just access, but actually decent health care. You know, before you someone comes to your house, what do you do normally with it? You clean your house, right? So if we were to take care of education, Healthcare, infrastructure, our roads, a place like Foxconn would want to come here. And they would come here without actually us having to give them a $4.45 billion gift. Um, so I'm against Foxconn, but you know what? I'm a realist too, and it's here. The contract has been signed. Um, the deal has been cut. So now we have to make sure that Foxconn is accountable to the taxpayers in our state and transparent, which it hasn't been thus far. So, Malin, obviously you have experience as a firefighter and then with your union work. Um, what might you say to a voter who thinks you don't have enough experience in politics? Well, I would say that we have enough politicians. Like, we have enough elected officials running government. I have experience in helping people, and, and that's what the role of government is. I mean, Abraham Lincoln said it best. What is what is the role of government? It's to do for those who uh, what they can't do for themselves. Governor Walker has been running for office for 25 years. He has experience in politics and experience in campaigning and running. But it's the wrong type of experience. Uh, I've been a firefighter for 21 plus years, and I have experience in giving back and helping people. Um, as firefighters, we respond to our community and people in, in the worst days of their lives a lot of times. Uh, when they're at their worst, we have to be at our best. So we have enough political insiders. We have enough political pundits. We have enough uh, politicians running government. And that is, in my opinion, the problem with government, is that people are just worried about their next election or worried about their next step. Governor Walker spent four years dividing and conquering us. Um, and then he ran for president, which God bless him for that. That didn't go so well. But now he's coming back because that didn't work out. And essentially, Wisconsin is now his plan B or we're his contingency plan. And it's time for us to turn the page. So we, we have enough politicians. We, we don't need more politicians. Uh, I have experience helping people. And that's what the role of government is. And that's why I'm running, because I would actually help people. Not, I, I'm not running for president. I don't have any other political aspirations. Uh, just running for governor itself was a huge undertaking, and it's, quite frankly, a decision that didn't come lightly. So uh, I'm running because we need to win. Do you feel that your experience representing so many in the firefighters union uh, and so many people from diverse backgrounds, is that like the experience you're going to pull on in terms of bringing people together across yeah. the spectrum? Yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, I... You know, we go into burning buildings and respond to medical emergencies. It's not whether you're Republican or Democrat. If someone calls 911, we don't ask what their party affiliation is. 
we have a mantra in our job called all hands work. It means that everyone on the scene or location, they're doing something to make it right or make it better for uh, the community or that person. So that's what we have to do. And yeah, we have to, I mean, in my job as state president of professional firefighters, Wisconsin, even under the current legislature with uh, Republicans being in total control, uh, we have been able to get three bills passed um, for health and safety, one pension bill, and one that actually helps with community paramedics that helps um, us do house visits on those who have been discharged from the hospital. So we've been able, I've been able to do that with the Republican-ran legislature, and Scott Walker had to sign it or signed it. So we, we have to work together. I mean, I can disagree with someone, but at the end of the day, if we have goals in mind of trying to help people, um, we can work together. And we're just not seeing that now. Though. You mentioned education earlier, and uh, my professional background, my experience is actually in the education field working directly with students at the high school level. And recently, this is one of those things that Governor Walker talks a lot about um, on Twitter and elsewhere, is the amount of funding he's providing to education this year. Is What are your thoughts on how the governors handle education, and what is your plan for education in the state of Wisconsin? Well, Governor Walker is a great or skilled politician. There's Governor Walker who governs one way, and there's Candidate Walker who runs as a moderate Republican another way. That's what we're seeing now because it's election time. But his first budget, he took $1.6 billion from public education. $1.6 billion. Cut, cut, cut. Uh, 0% levy increase for school districts. School districts are struggling. So you can't take $1.6 billion in 2011-12 and then put back $638 million now and say that's the biggest investment in schools and then call that progress because we're still a billion dollars short. And it's like a wise man once says, like taking a knife, sticking it eight inches on my, my back, pulling it out four inches, now I'm supposed to say thank you. I mean, it doesn't work that way. It's, it's unfortunate. I, our greatest commodity, whether you have children or not, our greatest commodity for our future as a state and as a country is, is our children. Mm-hmm. Uh, their greatest currency is their education. I have a daughter that's a freshman in college. Uh, I have a son who's in eighth grade public schools. You look at what's happening in our schools, and it's just it's detrimental. It's ridiculous. Solon Springs, a small community uh, in northern Wisconsin, they had to have a referendum for their schools, their district, just to pay for operational expenses. Day-to-day expenses that they normally would be able to cover under a different administration, they now, because of 0% increases from the levy, State aid being cut to school districts. They're not even able to pay for essential services and just keep them keeping their lights on. And they have to have a referendum just to have an operational increase in their or budget in their operational. Not to put another wing on their school, not to give merit increases to teachers, but just keep the lights on. And if they didn't, if it didn't pass, they were going to have to bus children to a different school district. In a place like Solon Springs, that's the, the school district is the heart of their community. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's sad. So what I would do is, uh, as governor, you have to fully fund education, uh, put back the money, but it's not just about throwing money at things. We need to have early childhood education. Education shouldn't just start five or six years old. We need early childhood education that the state could properly fund. We make sure we put our priorities in order. How do you view your approach to a school, like the problems at Solon Springs versus a huge district like in Milwaukee? Well, and one thing I would look at, too, I believe public dollars should go to public education. One thing I would look at is the per-pupil rate. Right now, a place like Solon Springs and, let's say, Nicolette High School, whatever, they're not, not everyone in our state's getting the same education. And so we need to actually look at the per-pupil rate and uh, re- also relook at how we um, 
fund education in our state. I mean, we have an old, archaic way of doing shared revenue. We have an archaic way of how we have state aid going to the transportation fund, education fund. So how you look at it, I think, is we have to readjust per pupil rate to make sure that everyone is getting the same education. But we also have to give the power back to um, the school districts by way of um, local control because they know what's best for their communities. Um, the state shouldn't be running every school from Madison. I mean, that people around the state know what's best for their community. So we need to look at the per-pupil rate, but also give back local control to school districts. Another topic that was brought up uh, in our interview with Tony Evers was um, the environment. Um, how important is environment on your issues? Well, it's, it's, in, it's in the top five for us. I mean, we have education, health care, economy, um, transportation, infrastructure, and, and agriculture, and the environment is uh, within that same realm. The first thing we didn't do, and the first thing a, a dim governor can do, the first thing I would do uh, on the list of priorities is to um, look at the DNR and actually get Wisconsin mm-hmm. believing in science again and make the DNR nonpartisan, fully funded DNR. I actually gun hunt. A lot of people think that's interesting because I'm, I'm a black guy. <laughs> but <laughs> but I, I actually... <laughs> I actually deer hunted. I, I mean, one of the greatest things about our state is our natural resources. So when I go get my deer tag and we go, go into the DNR building, which is right down the street from my office, I mean, it's empty. It's like a desolate wasteland because there's no people there. I mean, they've, the, what has happened to the DNR is ridiculous. And, uh, our environment is, is one of the things we have to protect for our future. And that's why a place like Foxconn wants to come here because of our natural resource. I mean, they want to pump seven million gallons of water a day out of Lake Michigan, which is ridiculous and insane and not knowing what's going back in. But like you said, well, that may be a conversation for another day, but um, we have to take care of our natural resources. So one thing I would do is make sure we get scientists back in the DNR, make sure when it comes to environmental protections that we're not easing restrictions for corporations and we're not giving our natural resources to the highest bidder. So we need to depoliticize the DNR, have a secretary in there that actually has some history um, with our natural resources and make sure we protect that. Going a step further, I mean, a majority of our our uh, energy comes from fossil fuels, coal or natural gas. And we could be a leader in renewable energy. We really could in our state. Wind turbines, we just saw we just came down from Fond du Lac. We saw a wind turbine farm. But renewable energy is huge. And uh, we could be a, a, a winner, number one renewable energy. That all, not only helps protect our environment, it's not just more morally or ethically right. It's actually a huge, huge uh, boost to our economy as well because that provides jobs. And that, that, that helps with job creation as well. So speaking on sort of like the hierarchy of issues, what are some of the first actions you would take if elected governor? I want to make sure that everyone in our state has health care um, and not just access to health care. Right. You'll hear a lot of people on the far right say everyone should have access to health care. Well, I always say you, we all we can go down to the local dealership and we would all have access to buy a Porsche because we could probably get a loan. Some of us. And have access, but can we reasonably afford it? You know, so right now, healthcare, while people have access, they can't afford it. I mean, I was talking to a young teacher, um, Kenosha, who had to sell her car because healthcare premiums are so high. And access is one thing, but we actually need to provide healthcare. We have about 300,000 people in the state of Wisconsin right now that have no health insurance. 300,000 Wisconsinites with no healthcare. Uh, the Medicaid expansion, we didn't accept that. That would have, the federal, the federal dollars for the Medicaid expansion, that would have insured about 84,700, uh, more Wisconsinites. So 
one of the first things I want to do is make sure that we have health care. And that's not, a, again, it's not just a, a financial issue. It's, it's a moral issue. Like, we, we can do that. You know, we're giving all this money to Wisconsin Economic Development Corporation. We're giving $4.5 billion to a foreign company like Foxconn. But you're telling me on the back end we can't afford to give people health care in our state. So one of the things I would do is work with, and you've got to work with Republicans too, but work with Republicans to make sure that we open up Badger Care uh, for all, essentially a uh, single payer or med- Medicare for all plan that we can do in our state. We can be a leader in the country when it comes to health care. Another thing I would do is I would raise wages right away. Uh, anybody that's going to work for the government that's going to be getting any Medicaid or Medicare dollars or any dollars or contracts through the state, uh, we're going to put a $15 minimum wage in place. Like you can do that, something you can do from day one. So those are some of the things I would do on day one. But quite frankly, what you're going to have to do as a Democratic governor, sit down with leadership, uh, Republicans and Democrats, develop a plan and find common ground. Because I believe we need to, you know, we need to find common ground where we can. Uh, but we also must stay in our ground uh, when we must. So in order to do that, you got to sit down with the other side of the aisle and work together. And that's what government's supposed to do, right? You know, we don't want to just, just say, okay, we get all Democrats in there and everything's going to be sweet. You have to work together. There's creative compromise that needs to happen in all forms of government. And that's we're just not seeing that now. And that's why government's in disarray. Criminal justice reform. I saw recently there was, I think it was a committee somewhere in the state legislature yeah. proposed building a couple hundred million dollars for a new prison. Yeah, 300 million. 300, yeah. What is your take on criminal justice, the system, as we see it today in Wisconsin? Well, we are the worst state in the country for male, African-American male incarceration rates. We house and jail more African-Americans than anybody else in the country. And that's ridiculous. Um, we can adequately put 16,000 people in prison in our state. And right now, we have 23,000 people that are in prison. Um, the earned release program where people are trying to get the help, mental help they need or trying to get drug rehab they need in order so they can get back to a civilized society. The earned release program, ERP, has about 5,900 people right now that are on the waiting list trying to get assistance or help so that they can get out of jail and get back into society. Um, being addicted to a drug is not a crime, right? So we need to make sure we have adequate uh, mental health ed- education, but also uh, be able to uh, tackle this opioid crisis. Uh, I've come out in favor of actually legalizing marijuana because there are so many people in prison for, I mean, if you get caught with marijuana twice, it's a felony and you're in prison. If you can go to Colorado and smoke it and you're home freely, but you come to Wisconsin, you can be put in jail for something that you can actually do in California or Colorado or other places that are legalizing. So that's ridiculous. But yeah, criminal justice reform, very important. Lincoln Hill should be closed down. They're repurposing it. Right now, though, in our state, you have counties paying the state to house juveniles, and then you have the state paying counties to jail adults. It's just it's just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. We spend over a billion dollars on the Department of Corrections, uh, more money than we spent in, in in tax dollars to the UW system. I mean, that's a problem, right? And if you built more jails, like if you were to spend uh, millions of dollars to build another jail, well, what are they going to do with that jail? How's the jail affected? There's got to be people in it, right? So, I mean, basically you're building something to house more criminals, more people, and we can do better than that. And the other thing is truth and sentencing has been a huge problem in our state. People are trying to get out, trying to do the right thing. Um, truth and sentencing is the opposite of what it actually is intended to do. That has also uh, unfortunately helped to increase our population in the prison. Taking a step back, kind of removing our mind out of the policy conversations, what is your most proud accomplishment? Oh, most proud of? Well, I'll tell you, my first day on the job, actually, in 1997, we had... 
seven P and Bs, which are pulseless non-breathers. And as a rookie back then, your job was to run the defibrillator, the AED. Mm-hmm. And uh, we revived like six out of seven mm-hmm. uh, people that didn't have, had, when we arrived on location, they had no pulse, uh, not breathing, obviously. And we were able to actually bring back six out of seven that day. And I actually thought, wow, this is like a normal day in, in the fire service, which it's not. You normally don't have seven P and Bs. I mean, you could go uh, a year and have maybe seven. But mm-hmm. uh, having seven in one day and me being an intricate part in my first day on the job, you know, I was just 20 years old. I mean, helping to uh, revive people or bring them back to life has been, uh, I'll, I'll never, when I look back on my career, and I've been in burning buildings, I've been on the job 21 years, I've been on burning buildings, I've had the unfortunate circumstance of uh, carrying people um, out of burning buildings uh, that were not alive, but when I go back, my first day is actually what I remember, it stands out to me more than anything. So speaking of your time as a firefighter and obviously a position now representing other firefighters, if there was something, obviously these these people see something in you because they've elected you and continue to elect you. So if, if your sort of coworkers in the firefighting department could give a stump speech on your behalf to the rest of the state, what do you think they would say about you? Like, what do they know about you that you want the rest of the state to know? I think they would talk about, and I've heard them do it, so I think they would talk about leadership and like I said before, my union is white male for the most part. I mean, it is. We, we have a white male union, and I'm their president, which is bizarre. A lot, and a lot of people, when they come visit our, our our membership, but it's about leadership. You know, that's why people always ask me, well, you know, the state of Wisconsin ready for a black governor? And I say yes, because, you know, I look in, the, not comparing myself to Barack Obama at all, just to be clear. <laughs> You um, can do that. No, no, I don't want to do that. But <laughs> tough comparison. Yeah, <laughs> you always fail, right? Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't <laughs> but he's won the state of Wisconsin twice now, and the first time he ran against John McCain, I run by 15 points, and John McCain's a well-respected. Well, it was, it probably still is, but in, in our state. Mm-hmm. And then four years later, after all the negative ads and attack ads that every president gets, he beat Mitt Romney by close to five points. So our state is ready, and it's about the message. It's about them seeing a leader in the candidate. And uh, that's why I'm running, because we need, you know, we need a different type of candidate. Again, the other people are very nice people, but, you know, we're going to have to, if we're going to go out against Governor Walker, it's going to take leadership. It's going to require some command and some presence and uh, some gravitas in order to do that. And that's why I'm running. My membership, again, white male, and they keep, they've elected me by acclamation now three times. So it's about the message and how we convey that message and how we get that message out to, to people so they do vote the right way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is there just any final um, words you'd like to leave the listeners with? We have to win. We, we always talk about the environment. We talk about um, education. We talk about minimum wage, an economy, um, health care. We talked about agriculture today. We talked about Foxconn. We, we, there's a lo- whole slate of issues out We I always like to talk about dairy farmers as well. We, when I got on a job uh, in 1997, we had over 23,000 dairy farmers. Now, we're, as of 2015, we're down under 10,000. So we talk about all these issues and everything, but if we don't win, mm-hmm. all that doesn't, it doesn't matter, right? So we need people to vote. You got two arms for a reason. Two arms for a reason. One, to bring yourself to the polls. One, to bring somebody else with you. So we need to get out and vote. We need communities of color to get out and vote in big numbers. Uh, that's why I'm running, too, as well. Uh, but we need all hands working. We need everybody in this corner of the state, everyone that's the forgotten uh, person in this corner of the state, to get out and vote. And uh, I won't let you down. We Firefighters, we leave no one behind. I'm not a career politician. Um, so we, we need, like, some real common sense in state government. And that's why I'm running. So I, I hope people get out and vote. 
Again, I hope you support me, but I'll tell you, no matter who comes out of this uh, on the Dem side, I hope it's me August 14th. But if it's not, I'm going to support that candidate, and we need to get behind that person. So August 14th is the primary. Get out and vote for Malin Mitchell, and then do it again November 6th. But don't just vote, but pay attention, get involved. We need to be, you see what's happening across the country with Doug Jones in Alabama and uh, others in New Jersey and other places in Pennsylvania, and everyone's saying it's a blue wave, but I don't believe in waves because blue waves tend have you tend to believe that you don't need to work and I get out and knock doors and, mm-hmm. and canvas and do what you need to do to win. So there's only a blue wave if we make it. So we have to make sure we get people out to vote. If one of our listeners is interested in, in what you're saying and, and kind of agrees with you and a lot of the a lot of your positions, how might they get involved? Well, you can contact um, our office. You can e- contact our uh, best way to get in contact with us is our email. Uh, actually, would be Taylor at MalinMitchell.com. He's standing right behind me. T a y l o r at MalinMitchell.com. M a h l o n m i t c h e l l. Our uh, Facebook is a great way to get in contact with us. We have the uh, Malin Mitchell Facebook page. Also, we have a website at uh, MalinMitchell.com. You can email me directly, actually, if you want to, at MalinMitchell at gmail.com. Um, so we, we're all we're very accessible. Uh, we'll get back to you right away. It's true. Um, and we love <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I know that, that is certainly See? true. Yeah. <laughs> that proves something for Yeah. I really enjoyed the conversation with Malin. Uh, A lot stuck out to me, but one of the topics that has come up in every interview and that is kind of on the forefront of all of the campaigns is Foxconn. Mm -hmm. Can't hear enough about Foxconn. Uh, And two, there's sort of two positions on the Democratic side. One is that, you know, it's a done deal. That's sort of the one that uh, Malin took. It's a done deal, but let's make it as good of a deal as possible. Mm -hmm. So let's make sure they're transparent, make sure that they're, you know, paying appropriate taxes Mm -hmm. and being accountable. Exactly. So that is sort of juxtaposed to Kelda Roy's, who you heard last week on podcast, who really seemed to be sort of just have the mindset that she could still do more to prevent Foxconn from uh, existing in the state. Uh, so I, I, I guess that's just a point I want to bring up because it makes him unique, maybe to the field. Credits that to him being more of a realist. Mm-hmm. What about you, Liz? I think on top of that. And, and obviously there's a lot of specific things that we could talk about, but really just in general, I enjoyed how Malin just seems like a regular guy. Like, he uh, he talked about, you know, representing Milwaukee, representing Madison, representing northern parts of the state, very rural areas, because in his experience, in his work, it doesn't matter where you're from. Like, if you need help to get out of a burning building, you need help, and it doesn't matter what zip code you came from. Yeah. So I really respected and admired just, like, how easy he was to talk to and really how dedicated he seemed to being you know, wanting to represent the whole state yeah. and not just a specific identity. He had that great line that was, when you run into a burning building, you don't ask somebody whether or not they're Republican right, or Democrat, right. right before you save them. Right. And that's just refreshing. I mean, especially in this political climate, it's just not a message that you hear often. And I think it could be really good for the state. Yeah. And it might resonate to some of those voters who are a little bit more estranged from the more progressive or, you know, mm-hmm. liberal ideology mm-hmm. uh, that some of the other candidates might might more identify with. Well, also, important to point out, he is the only person of color mm-hmm. running for governor. And when you 
live in a state that is consistently ranked as one of the worst states in the country for black people to live mm -hmm. and to grow up and to be educated, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, it's certainly important to know that there's somebody and potentially could be somebody in office who most likely identify more with some of the challenges a black person in Wisconsin might face than any of the other candidates. Mm -hmm. Yeah, really important to mention that. As always, thank you for listening to Bridge the City. Thank you, Liz, for joining me on the podcast. Please remember the action steps of visiting wechoose.org. That's W-I-C-H-O-O-S-E.org. And to vote for your people's champion, if you liked what Malin had to say, visit his website, as he said. And as always, let us know how you have helped Bridge the City. Bridge the city, whoa, whoa, bridge the city, yeah, bridge the city, yeah, gotta bridge the city, the city.